0: Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive.
1: This week's episode is a little personal, and that's because I'm actually talking to one of my good friends, Andrew Thiessen. Now, back in 2020, he started having some mysterious medical symptoms and ended up in the hospital almost dying. Well, we went through this experience of not knowing what was happening to him. He did pull through and came back with an NDE or near-death experience to share with all of us. In talking to him, I thought it was so profound, the impressions that he came back with, and how it changed his perspective on life. So I'm very happy to bring Andrew on for this special episode to talk about his near-death experience. If you haven't come and checked out the Patreon page, I'm offering some special bonuses, including the full video for this episode. I also have a mug with my Wayne Dyer painting that so many of you have asked me about. So come check it out. I really couldn't do this without you, and I really appreciate all your support. You can get the link for that and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelacruz.com or go directly to Patreon.com slash Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia De La Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. This podcast would not be possible without support from loyal fans like you. Thank you so much for supporting me on Patreon. You can get the link for that and more details about this podcast at nadiadelacruz.com. And my guest today went through quite an ordeal in 2020, and not in the way you might expect. After experiencing mysterious symptoms for months, he ended up in the hospital with a cardiac event. While the emergency medical team worked to save his life, he had a near-death experience in the spiritual realm. This experience changed his perspective on life, and he is here to share what he learned with us today. Andrew Thiessen, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Wonderful. Thank you, Nadia, for having me.
1: Andrew! So
0: <laughs>
1: I want to start this conversation by letting everybody know that you and I are actually good friends. Um, so we yes. met back at the start of 2020, January, in a shamanism group here in Seattle. And then the p- the pandemic moved that group online, so we were seeing each other through Zoom, but it wasn't quite the same. And I knew that you were having some health challenges, Um, didn't quite know what was going on. And then it was really a shock when in October, I heard that you were unconscious in the hospital and it was terrifying. Yes. But before we get into what happened with all of that and the NDE that you experienced, I'd love it if you could actually give us a little background on your spiritual path prior to all of this.
2: Wow. My spiritual path. Well, the difficulty—I—I I, I guess I could say it started um, at work. To be honest, um, I can't really explain it, other than saying that uh, uh, for some reason I, my senses were getting heightened. There was something wrong; something wasn't quite right. Um, I didn't know if it was my age. Am I in like going through another men's? Uh, uh, therapy thing or something you know what was i having a midlife crisis or something but at work i started crying for no reason i'd be right in the middle of work typing emails and the tears would come and i'm like why am i crying you know i'm not seeing a bad movie or anything but um i was trying to figure out what was going on inside and i couldn't put my finger on it uh work was going great home was great um, family was great. I I didn't understand what it was, um, and then I started looking on the internet, and I started looking for, you know, what are these symptoms? You know, is this something men go through, women go through? And you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, is this a part a time in my life when my emotions and my feelings were coming to the surface? Because you know, you don't sit at work and start bawling your eyes out. Because <laughs> my coworkers were like, "What's going on with Andrew?" <laughs> it's like well nothing i don't know why i'm crying so one of my friends that i knew a long time ago in college uh her name was kate uh and she um was a mystic was an oracle uh an empath and i didn't understand any of that i had no clue um but when I was going through this, and I hadn't thought of her for a couple of years, all of a sudden her face appeared in my mind's eye. Like, oh, Kate, I wonder if I could go chat with her and figure out kind of what's going on. So I went to her. Uh, she at the end of class, she told me she was a psychic, and I'm like, ah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, the shrinking. first thing. In, well, the first thing that came in my mind was Dion Warwick's 1-800-HOTLINE. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, you're aging but yourself, I, Andrew. That goes well. I by. know, I know. But she was great. You know, uh, She was fantastic. I consider her a friend. And I thought, well, maybe she would understand this. I, I've tried everything else. I've looked online. I don't know what this is. So I set up an appointment, and I went to see her. And she immediately told me, she said, well, I'm glad you're here because she said you know uh some relatives had come through you know it's kind of like seeing meet the frasers and you see matt fraser on tv and he starts talking about different things and your mom is standing here and your dad is standing there and they're telling you know so i'm not used to this right i mean no nobody's used to that when you go see that and um that kind of led me down the path to uh, start taking classes, the same class that I started with you. Mm -hmm. Um, That was kind of like my step two. So it was more of, I think, just an awakening of something that I didn't know was really there. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian uh, home. But as soon as I left the home, I was kind of on my own and I really didn't do what I was raised to do. Um, And just worked and worked and worked and all that. Um, And then this happened. So I wasn't sure what was going on. But then I started taking classes and more classes. And then I started, you know, I guess the journey inward Mm -hmm. is the best thing I could think of um, in discovering myself and discovering people around me and um, some things about life that started bubbling up to the surface. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah
1: so it sounds like maybe your sensitivity levels were increasing is that maybe something you felt during much awakening yep so i think that you know doing work in the spiritual realm and i do um card readings for those who aren't familiar um you know it's very common to for people not to be aware of sort of what's out there and part of that is not being aware of what we're feeling And that in order to receive guidance or to do energy work, you have to be in tune with your own feelings and those sensations that come through your body. And I think culturally we're raised to ignore that and not value that and think that we only have five senses and anything beyond that is just woo-woo nonsense, right? Or worse, like fearful devil work or something. Yes. But so what I have found is something that I learned from one of my teachers, Kyle Gray, is that you have to be able to feel your feelings and and recognize those sensations in your own body in order to receive messages. And so I'm someone who's very sensitive. I always have been. And I, I thought that that was my greatest weakness. I thought it was something that was wrong with me that I had to overcome. And it took me decades to figure out what I thought was my greatest weakness was really my biggest strength and it enables me to see and feel and know things um, that I think we all can know but we don't we don't all tune into it so it doesn't surprise me at all that you started crying at work or having these emotions and these sensations that you couldn't explain sometimes think people think there's something wrong with their body or they're losing their mind or something but really you're just you're just expanding your awareness a little bit and there's a sensitivity that comes with that that is sort of a, a double-edged sword, right? It's the it's the good yes. and the bad. So there's such a um, a stigma now associated with the term empath as like, oh, I'm an empath. That's why I feel so bad and so drained all the time. And like I pick up emotions of other people. But that's just one side of it. Like the other side of it is you have the superpower, right? So, yes. so I very much value the gifts that come with sensitivity. So I want to acknowledge that for you as you've you've gone through this path. So when we met, I knew you were you were kind of new into it, but I definitely felt an energy from you. I felt like there was an opening there and I was really curious about sort of what your connections were, if that makes sense, and also sort of like where is he headed? Like what is what is this guy up to? And then you went through like the craziest year that, I don't know, some sort of fast forward initiation into the world of spirit. Now, did you have any awareness of, like, did you believe in spirit? Did you did you have any awareness of, like, the energy behind things? Or was it really sort of, like, what you see is, is all there is in life?
2: Well, the way I was raised was, you know, that there is... You know, a God, a spirit, you know, um, uh, my viewpoint differed from my parents and that I thought that, well, in some areas of the world, he's called Buddha. In some areas of the world, he's called Jesus. And in some areas of the world, he's called something else. Yeah. But I just believed that, yeah, there there is a spirit force, a life force, um, and everyone connects to it in their own specific way, unique way, I should say. Um, but I I kind of didn't know where or what or why, you know, I kind of thought that the faith that my parents raised me was more from my childhood, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't know that that would carry me through into adulthood and further on. It just might change a little bit. But I kind of didn't pay attention to it. You know, I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, whatever, You know, meet friends, do things on the weekend, go on trips, you know, get married, find a spouse, the whole thing. Until this moment. And then I thought, oh, I'm probably having a midlife. I'm doing something. I mean, I don't know what this is. But then after taking classes and understanding that there's a little more to it than that, um, that's when it had a deeper impact on me. And then I started reaching back in my past and understanding, hey, wait a minute, some of the things I went through were for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh, I learned those particular lessons. And I got this from, okay, so that's kind of making more sense. Yeah. Um, at the time that I had met you, uh, Patrick, er, taking the shaman class was really my first baby step. Uh, because when I saw the psychic, she said, well, Andrew, she said, it's like a buffet. She said, try, you know, learning Tarot. Try Reiki. Try learning uh, about shamanism. Try learning about, she said, you know, stick your toe into all these different pools and kind of see what resonates with you. uh, What truths that you can learn about yourself. Um, And I just... The breadcrumbs just led me right to that class. It was really mm-hmm. amazing.
1: Yeah, so I want to give a shout out to Patrick Corrigan. Patrick, if you're listening, we love you. He is our friendly neighborhood <laughs> shaman um, and a close friend to, to both of us. And he's the one who's was running that group to to bring us deeper into um, shamanic perspective and, and journeys and practices and all of that. I'm actually planning on having him on this season um, a little bit later, so... We're gonna wonderful. I'm looking forward to that conversation, but um, so you were talking about like how you were raised and the beliefs from the church and beliefs from your parents. And one thing I wanted to mention is that I feel like one of the drawbacks of many churches is that they put sort of a buffer between you and God, like there's a middleman, you know, right. that they discourage this sort of direct. Direct connection with the divine that you need to go through your priest or your pastor or whoever, and they're going to interpret God's messages for you. And one thing that I love about, you know, earth based spirituality is that and shamanism is it encourages this direct connection that there's this um this energy in all of life that you can receive messages from, from the animals and the water and the, you know, and the rocks and that we're all, we're all one, um, with all of it. And I think what that does is, you know, the whole world can become your church and that you you can really, um, connect on, on a deeper level, um, one-to-one. Um, so I'm happy that, that you're having that experience. I know that a lot of people who were, actively involved in um well a number of different religious organizations sometimes they have a lot of healing to do when they when they grow up and and step away from that so what was your belief (laughs) about what happens when you die prior to this experience
2: wow did you think about
1: did you have an opinion on that
2: Yes. I was one of those little kids that they did not like in Sunday school. (laughs) I was pretty much sent to the corner almost all the time (laughs) because I, I would think through things and it didn't make some of the things didn't make sense to me. For instance, you know, I was taught when I was a little kid that if you're really good and you follow all the rules, whatever they are, these little rules in the little box that you're in um, that you'll get to go to heaven and you'll be in heaven forever and ever 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 and ever. And if you're not and you're bad, then you're going to go to hell forever and ever and ever and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever and ever. And forever is a long time. Yeah. And, and that's, as a little kid, I thought about that and I asked my Sunday school teacher, I go, well, I said, you know, that doesn't really make sense to me. And he's like, well, Andrew, what do you mean? And I said, well, let's say that I'm here on Earth and, and I was created and I'm here and I live for 80 years. So I'm a I'm pretty good guy. You know, every once in a while I tell a lie or I do something I shouldn't, right? You know, but for the most part, I'm pretty good. I can't imagine... A spirit or a God, for just this much of my existence, putting me in hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, compared to the rest of the ever and ever and ever and ever, it didn't make any sense to me. I said, "I don't, I don't understand that. How could anyone do that? Out of all that time, no, you got to go there because you were bad. It didn't." He said, "I don't, I don't get it." And he just looked at me like. Go stand in the corner. (laughs) So I always wondered as a little kid, you know, it's kind of like, well, there's got to be something else to this because that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, and I heard about people who had, you know, died and then they came back or they met angels or go to the light, as some people say in the movies and things like that. But I didn't understand. I didn't know where I would go, you know, because I had teaching that said i wouldn't go to a very nice place um but i knew in my heart that i was a good person and yeah i did face plants in my life and we all do but for the most part we're pretty good people right so i kind of thought well you know at that point we'll just see so that's kind of where i was at that time um i was in the wait and see mode Mm -hmm. because um I didn't know what else to believe or think.
1: So you believed in forever. You believed in something after this life, but you just couldn't quite figure out maybe what that's going to look like, right? Yeah. And to be honest, we're all guessing.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> because even those who die a little bit and come back, um, you know, who knows what happens when you die all the way. And right. it's funny because, okay, not haha ha funny. It's interesting because um several years prior my dad um had uh, his heart stopped he was visiting my sister in las vegas she lives there and they had just come back from an outing and he takes like two steps into the house and keels over his heart stops and she does cpr on him for 10 minutes before the medics came and um then he they got his heart going again with the electroshock whatever that is Uh and took him off to the hospital and then i assume they put him under um, a medically induced coma but for days i didn't know if he was brain dead what was going on what was happening Uh, somehow one of many miracles that happened in my father's life he woke up with no damage and they couldn't believe it like he had no brain damage he was he was the same as he always was they gave him a pacemaker because he he had bradycardia just low heart rhythm oh okay and that's i guess what led to his heart stopping and so it gave him another how many years was that five years maybe um before he died like really died died but it's funny because when he came out of that he was like you know what I didn't see anybody. He's like, you know, there was no light. There was no angels. Like, I didn't have any experience. And, you know, my sister used to joke and say, oh, well, that's because it wasn't your time, right? Like, you just, you didn't go that far. You really just stayed here. I knew you were still here. Um, But I guarantee you, when he died in 2019, he had a very different experience because um, I felt that. That's a story for another time, but I but I felt that. Yeah. Um Okay, so let's talk about what happened in 2020. So Oh boy. When, <laughs> you ready? Everybody ready? So so what what were you feeling? Like what was going on with your health? Cuz I think it was in the summer that you know, I'd heard from Patrick that like, "Oh, you know, Andrew might not be at class today or something. Something's going on and we're like, is it COVID? Like what, I mean, anything that happened in 2020, everybody's like, is it COVID? Right? So, so.
2: That's, that's exactly what we were thinking too. So what it, what had happened is we had gone grocery shopping, you know, and um, got some food and lunch and dinner and that night, um, I think it was between lunch and dinner actually, um, but I did have dinner that would be after dinner um for some reason I you know was throwing doing both we thought it was food poisoning and so it was really bad I mean if you've ever had food poisoning you know it's bad it is not yeah fun no that's the worst and so <laughs> I thought okay um what I didn't know is that at the time, it was a silent heart attack.
1: Oh, my gosh. Who would think that vomiting and diarrhea is a symptom of a heart attack? I certainly wouldn't.
2: I I thought, oh, that was bad hamburger or bad sushi. Yeah. that's what I had. And I thought, oh, that's really bad. But I didn't know that at the time. And so after that episode, what had happened was um, I had shortness of breath. I could only walk 20, 25 feet before I was completely out of breath. Um, I couldn't lay flat. I had to, to sleep sitting up in a chair. So I would sleep in the living room on a big cushy chair. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a fever for a few days and then it went away. And we didn't know if that was part of like food poisoning yeah. or if that was COVID. So it's 2020. <laughs> We're thinking COVID. It's June. We're like, oh, how did I get it? Because at that time, everybody was not going anywhere. I mean, not even ordering food out. Yeah. But you had to go get groceries. Mm-hmm. So you get your mask. You, you get your Has antiseptic. suit. You, yeah. You, you, yes. You go to the grocery store and you don't even look at people and you get your stuff. And then you leave. And so that's kind of what we did. But then this happened and we didn't know what it was so uh, i think after a couple weeks um, i'm like this is not going away and when i looked at covid and i looked at my my symptoms i'm like i've got covid oh my god so i called my doctor and i went to see my doctor and um, they took me to a little side room just in case Um, and they came in all you know Suited up, alien looking with a suit and, and gloves and the whole kit and caboodle. And um, I had a, a throat test because they didn't have the nasals ones mm-hmm. and that came back negative.
1: Did they even have and public tests in June of 2020? I don't think there was any available out,
2: I think there was just a few, but not many. Yeah, so well, they the couldn't do the nose, had them. yeah, they couldn't do the nose test that's unpleasant the so he had brain. to do the throat test yeah, yeah 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 what are you thinking really <laughs> um they also did uh what he called an antibody test mm-hmm. so he took a couple of vials of blood just to see if um if i had covid if i had antibodies to it right. um but all three tests came back negative and we're like gosh what is that what's happening so that was like in june july time frame um and then we're you know again we didn't know what was happening cuz i could only walk 20 feet before i had to stop and rest How did
1: you even get to the hospital or to your doctor to get <laughs> to get checked I, out when you're that I mean do you stop and take breaks I drove. on the you yes. what Andrew
2: Yeah <laughs> I drove oh, no. Well sitting in the car you're driving it's no big deal I'm
1: only a little dizzy it's all right You know <laughs>
2: No, no, I wasn't dizzy. Okay. But it was just, you know, any physical exertion, yeah, for I, would, sure. I would get exhausted pretty quick. But
1: you might think it was long COVID too, right? Oh, it's just taking me a long time to get over it. We
2: didn't know. And so after that, I told the doctor, I say, he goes, well, it's got to be pulmonary. It's got to be something in your lungs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I went and had an x-ray and they found some grayness and they thought, oh, you've got pneumonia. Okay. So then I come back to the doctor's office, and, you know, there's there's fungal pneumonia and viral pneumonia and bacterial pneumonia, and there's prescriptions for each one. There's not a one-size-kills-everything sure. thing. So guess what? I did all three of them. At the
1: same time?
2: No. You can only do one at a time for two weeks. Oh, gosh.
1: So that's six weeks of, of testing treatments.
2: Yeah, and then I went back and got the x-rays, and my lungs were clean. They were clear. Like, oh, you're good but now. But I still had my symptoms.
0: Oh, gosh.
2: And so they're like, okay, we don't know. So then I got a referral to a specialist, and I went to the pulmonologist, and she got all my x-rays and all the, the notes and stuff from the doctor. And uh, she um, put me into, what is it? Well, uh, uh well The donut. Where you lie down and you go into the MRI? donut. Will they inject the dye into you? I don't know. It's not an EKG, it's it's not an echocardiogram, it's something else. But you lay on this bed and it goes into the circular thing mm-hmm. and it did an entire mapping of my lungs. And so then I went in the following week and uh, she looked at my X rays, she looked at the, the notes from that and she's like, Well, it's not your lungs. Um, she goes. There's a little fluid in your lung, but it, I don't see that as a problem. She goes. Some people get that. It's no big deal. Mm. She said. I, I think it's more cardio, cardiac based,
1: which is not what you want to hear, <laughs> right?
2: Well, by then it was late August. Oh gosh. Because you know you gotta wait for this. You gotta wait for. You know, most specialists now are at least two to three weeks out if you call for an appointment. Mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I mean, they're busy. A lot of people need to see them. It's fine unless it's an emergency.
1: Um, then it might not be something. Yeah.
2: Well, but we didn't right. know. Totally. We, you know, and because of COVID, I was then working at home. So it was no big deal. I mean, I could sit and do my job and do my computer and be on conference calls. No one knew the wiser. Oh, you're such I a didn't. trooper,
1: Andrew. You're like, it was no big deal. I'm working from home. <laughs>
2: well the only thing that was tough was just going to bed at night i had to sit up Mm -hmm. and i didn't understand it i was lucky because the room next to my office is the restroom it's close so i could just within 20 feet so
1: you're good that's that's your 10 feet
2: just i'm right there (laughs) yeah so it was no big deal um so i tried to get to uh the cardiologist Mm -hmm. and that's when um I think it was late July, August, I started noticing my body was ballooning out.
1: You're retaining like fluids. Like
2: was, I was retaining fluids. And I didn't understand it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. So at one point in time, uh, I went downstairs. I get off work at 2.30 and my partner gets off work at like 4. And I just casually made my way down with several stops. <laughs> to just say, you know, could you take me to the emergency room? I need to be looked at. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It's okay. Take your time. Just wait till you're done with work. I'll just make my way upstairs and I'll be ready. And so that's what we did. And we went in there and because of COVID, you couldn't wait in the waiting room. So he had to go all the way home and uh, they did a quick little workup on me in in the emergency room. And, um, Gosh, what was it called? Shoot, it just went right out of my head. Uh, It wasn't heart disease, um, but, oh, congestive heart failure. That's what it was. Sure. So I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, and I was given a prescription to help get the fluids out of my body because they weren't being eliminated. They were staying in the body. And my foot swelled so big that I could barely put my shoe Mm -hmm. on. Um, And we didn't know what was happening, but it was all over. And so I started taking the prescriptions, and it was working a little bit, but then it stopped completely. And I'm like, well, this isn't, I can't, I'm not going to make it. I won't make it in time to see the cardiologist, because my appointment was like another two weeks away. So the following weekend, I I went back downstairs. Could you take me back to the emergency room? (laughs) And then I went back upstairs. Sorry to bother sh- you,
1: but um, yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I I think I need to go. I yeah, I need to go. Is this but a good go ahead time? Because to- I might need yeah, yeah.
1: emergency <laughs> medical assistance.
2: So I came back upstairs, and you know this is September October time, mm-hmm. right? So I'm still wearing summer shorts and the t-shirt. And oh, we had a nice. I September put on my favorite too, shorts.
1: Me. I mean, yeah, weather-wise, I'm- not health.
2: Not health wise. Right. Oh, it was great. It was still sunny and nice, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, uh, I had a shower, put on my favorite shorts and T-shirt, and we went to the hospital. And um, they said, oh, you were here a week ago. You know, what's going on? And I said, well, you gave me this prescription and it's not working. I'm still retaining the fluids. I don't know what to do. I don't feel well. And they said, okay, well, we'll keep you overnight for observation. So Uh, did they have
1: any idea why you were retaining fluids? Were they looking at a cause for that? Or they're just like, well, let's try this and see if you feel better, the second one.
2: That's what it was, yeah. Well, because typically, I guess, you know, they give this prescription to people. And you're supposed to take it. And I guess it works on a lot of people but it wasn't working on me yeah
1: but there's a lot of different reasons for fluid retention some of it can be heart related some of it is liver related right right? like it seems like
2: (laughs) well i can tell you why further in the story it'll all make sense i'm listening um (laughs) (laughs) so they kept me overnight um and the interesting thing is um I know that you believe in angels. Yes, I do. And I have some really good guardian angels that took care of me that night. Because um, when I was there, they put me in this observation room, and the whole wall was windows. And they hooked me up with heart monitors, and I was lying on this little bed with my shorts and T-shirt on. I didn't have a blanket or anything. It was fine. It was warm in there. And there was a gentleman in the next room, that was loud and obnoxious and he started throwing things at the nurses and cussing and everybody around was like oh just go to bed it was like 1 30 and he was still just being belligerent with the um, hospital staff so the nurse came in and i said oh please just take me somewhere a broom closet i'll stay in the broom closet and she goes i know everyone's complaining so she left and then she came back like another half hour later and she said i found a spot for you it's a slow night in the icu but that's in the cardiac division of the hospital across on the other side of the building well can you name a more perfect place for me to be with a heart issue than the cardiac icu so they wheeled me down there and um they put me in this room they hooked me up again and then they turned off the lights and kind of left the door a little bit open and that was basically it
1: (laughs) well that wasn't it it i mean you're still here (laughs) so i'm still here so okay So you end up at the emergency room and they're like, oh, you're back. Well, yeah, I'm still retaining fluids. Okay, well, wait here and somebody will check on you. We're going to monitor you or whatever, right? But because of this belligerent guy, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get any sleep. So you get like a, you know, an in with the nurse who wheels you into the cardiology section of the ICU just so that you can sleep. And then what happens?
2: That was the most unusual thing ever. Because the last thing I remember was she turned the lights out. She left the room. And then I must have gone to sleep. I must have just fallen asleep. The next thing I remember was there was a woman's voice in my right ear. And I could hear this, oh, he's coming too. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not a normal thing you hear. <laughs> was I at a party? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, I opened my eyes, and the whole room had lights on. The Lights were on. There were about seven people around my bed. And here I am with my, t- my shirt was off. I still had my shorts on. Thank you. Um <laughs> But there were two guys with hair nets on and surgery scrubs. There was a a lady and a gentleman in doctor jackets. And then there were like three or four um, nurses in blue outfits. And I'm sitting there looking at them like, what is going on? And the lady whose voice was in my ear uh, came into my field of view. And she said, Andrew, she goes, we couldn't get your shorts off. So we have to cut them off. And then she turned around. She opened a drawer and grabbed her scissors like she was going to cut my shorts off. So I sat up in the bed and I go, no. I said, you're not going to cut my shorts off. These are my favorite shorts. And I'll have you know that I wore these special to come into the hospital. I even showered before I came into the hospital. And I wore my favorite t shirt I said, haven't you people heard of a a drawstring? So I flipped down my shorts. I undid the drawstring. And I whipped out of my shorts. And I'm naked right there on the bed. And I go, here. (laughs) And I said, keep them. Because I'm going to want those when I leave. And they put towels on me. Like, oh, my God. (laughs)
1: Naked patient. uh,
2: Yeah. Some people were like, Looking at me like that with her well, mouths open a couple of more giggles.
1: So you, you come to life, he's coming too. And then you just whip your clothes off.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what I didn't know at the time was that I had one of my heart attacks then, mm. and they had just brought me back. I had passed. And they had all the people around there because they were bringing me back, the people were scrubbing up for surgery, and then they were going to wheel me out to surgery. Well, Andrew, when
1: you come back to life, you really come back to life.
2: <laughs> That's so what fun. they said. They're like, they're like, okay, he's back. <laughs> so, yeah, it was funny. A couple of them were laughing. They thought it was just hilarious that I did what I did, but. You know, it was funny. So the doctor was explaining what had happened during the night I was out or passed out. Um, And then I noticed that I couldn't focus on what he was saying. I couldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think they were giving me some kind of, you know, sedative to go into surgery or something. Um, And I finally ended up looking at the doctor and I said, I can't understand you anymore. I trust you, you're going to make the best decision for me, and I will see you after surgery. And that was kind of my message to the doctor, and then I was out. That was it.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: I didn't know what happened after that, you know. My partner had to tell me everything that he went through. Um during that decision process.
1: So and this is maybe a good time thing was, for us to hear he about like yeah what was his yeah, perspective while he, you're going through he this? He didn't
2: know because you know I had to, I had um the uh, phone number for my boss taped to my monitor. Mm-hmm. And I had said, "Hey, you know, if anything happens, there's my boss's number." Which gratefully I did that because he was able to call my manager. But everyone was wondering what's going on. Where's Andrew? What you know so he he shared with me a lot of what he went through, and some of it I know he didn't share all of it. But so
1: was he not able to come into the emergency room with you because of COVID restrictions? Is that what's what was going Correct. on? So did he like was he notified that you'd had a heart attack? Like what what yes. was going on from his perspective?
2: So what had happened was when I had that silent heart attack in June, it's believed that I blew out my mitral valve. So you have two valves in your heart, and they they both help pumping blood. And I guess the mitral valve is the valve that pumps blood to your kidneys and your liver, which is what actually helps you digest your food. And any liquid gets expelled out of the body that's why those prescriptions didn't work is because my kidney and my livers were not getting the blood they needed to do their job and the doctor was then wondering he was like how did you live from june until october like i don't know i just sat at my desk you know (laughs) But, you know, it, that's why none of that actually worked. That's why my body wasn't eliminating those liquids mm-hmm. like most normal people would. Mm-hmm. Um, so what had happened was is uh, um, the doctor basically said, you know, replacing a valve is like going in and, and doing stints and all those other regular heart type of surgeries. A lot of uh, the surgeries for the heart are common now. You know, kind of like cataract surgery and and other things that a lot of people get. Um, so it's not a walk in the park by any means, mm-hmm. but it's a common surgery. It's not like it had something rare or unusual. So
1: those procedures um, basically are a lot safer than they were 10 or 20 years yes. ago when they hadn't been done as frequently. Um, now it's one of those surgeries they have a lot of experience with. Lucky lucky for you, right?
2: Yeah. Well, but the tough part now was my kidneys and my liver, and I think it was my stomach and intestines, had completely stopped functioning. Gosh. 100%. And so the conversation that was had between my partner and the doctor was more of, well, we know we can go in and we can um, fix Andrew's heart valve. That's... You know, a simple surgery, so to speak. Um, But we can't turn on his liver and his kidneys and his intestines. If those don't come back on, he's gone. I mean, there's no reason for us to do the surgery. So
1: they were seeing that these organs weren't functioning properly, but they didn't know why. Those pieces hadn't been connected yet. And so they had to determine whether um, you were even going to make it. Like, is it worth it to fix the heart when these other organs aren't working?
2: Exactly. I mean, that was the decision. You know, because it's kind of like one of the the pull-the-plug type of decisions. Gosh. What should we do? And so what they did was is they had to have someone squeeze the little bottle to act as if my mitral valve was pumping blood. So they actually pumped blood back into my kidneys and my liver and, you know, stomach, intestine kind of a thing. And they actually had to sit there and pump it. I don't know if it was by hand or if a machine did it. But they had to do that to get those organs the proper amount of blood. And, of course, they were probably thinking, well, hey, if we start feeding them blood again, kind of like turning them off and turning them on, maybe they'll come back on again and start functioning. We
1: try turning it off and on again. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That's kind of how it was. And um, so they ended up doing a test because I was intubed. I had a tube down to my stomach and a tube down to my lungs. And they fed me some food, like mushy peas. So were you
1: unconscious through through all of this? Yes. Yeah, because you've got all those tubes yeah. in you and everything. That wouldn't.
2: Yeah, I think I think they put me kind of like uh, your father. They put me in a chemical induced yeah. coma. Um, I think they have they to making... anytime
1: they do any kind of intubation, right? Because otherwise, yep. you fight it and you hurt yourself.
2: Yeah, and so they had to figure out what to do. They had to make a decision. And so they fed me some food, and apparently what they said was, is when your kidneys and liver start functioning Mm -hmm. and they start filtering out your Mm -hmm. food, they release an enzyme in your bloodstream. And so then a day after they fed me some food, they took a blood sample, they found the enzyme.
1: Wonderful. Or they wouldn't have bothered to save you. Oh, goodness.
2: No, exactly. (laughs) It all was on that little enzyme. Um, if they didn't find it, I wouldn't be Thank here. Thank
1: you, little enzyme. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for showing up. So and we um, need you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So what ended up happening was is um, they found the enzyme. They put me in surgery. Um, I have a mechanical valve. It sounds like a little Timex watch. It ticks all day, all night. Um, but I guess every time I hear it, it's like yeah, I'm alive. So I'm the alive. little
1: valve is electronic.
2: Uh, mechanical Mechanical.
1: so you hear it moving because there's metal is it Mm -hmm. metal parts in there
2: I think so I don't know
1: that's interesting isn't it
2: I call it my bionic heart valve
1: bionic heart valve yes I love that
2: (laughs) but yeah but that's you know that's what it was and um, so the last thing I remember was the doctor telling me you know what he was going to do then I was out, all of this happened, and you were going to read something that Tim posted. Yeah,
1: okay, so again, Andrew and I are friends, and, and we knew each other this year, and i had heard like you weren't well, but we didn't know if it was COVID or what, and then, um, and of course I follow you on Facebook, and then one day I see this post on your page, right? So Andrew's posting, I'm going to read everybody what it said, because... This is, this is the news that we got. It said, update on the patient. The doctors in the cath lab are doing everything they can to stabilize the patient. The patient is unable to receive phone calls at this time. The patient's husband has called the police to do a drive-by on the mother's house so that information can be relayed to her. It would be helpful if the brother of the patient would either call the husband for status. Please reach out to husband for additional updates. So at first I was really confused. I'm like, patient? What is all this patient? Wait, wait a minute. His husband must have written this, right? Like, So then we figured out, okay... I understand who wrote this. This means you're in the hospital, right? They're trying to stabilize you, which means it's bad, right? Contact the family. And I was just trying not to panic. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, is this it for Andrew? Like, what is happening right now, you know? And so I think a lot of people must have seen that post and, like, comments are are filling up on there and everybody's like – you know, prayers for you, Andrew. Of course, you're not going to see it, right? But but we we were sending you a lot of love. But I can only imagine, like, your husband, probably in, in an emotional panic, is trying to figure out, how do I relay information? And it sounds, yeah. like, so technical, right? So I, I feel like he's very left-brained. He's like, okay, this is this is the information. We're, we're going to get it out. But it yeah. totally worked, right? And we understood some of what was going on. And then I think it was just... I don't know maybe like a couple days later you're like hey guys I'm okay and I'm like oh my god Andrew and like (laughs) I didn't want to like try to call you or message you right away because I'm like okay he's like recovering from a lot right now and everybody's probably like begging you for some reassurance that you're alive and how's everything doing so I just feel like so bad for for your husband especially for I'm like Oh, he must have just been devastated. Like, his whole world must have just almost ended that day.
2: It's, you never think about that. Y- you know, you never think anything like that would happen. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, uh, what do you do? And you're
1: young, too. Like, do you mind me asking yeah. how old you are? Ish.
2: Young okay i'm 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 56 56
1: so you wouldn't expect to be having like some sort of major cardiac event
2: right like the the doctors were like this guy's young what's he doing here what's yeah you know? energetic full of life
1: that. full of personality mm-hmm whipping his shorts off in the er
2: (laughs) (laughs) in any hospital er he can oh this guy again
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe you were the disruptive one in the in the lobby
2: (laughs) probably but yeah so yeah it was you know and also it's difficult it's kind of like you know you hear the phrase some people say you know going to your own funeral kind of thing you know, it's difficult to see that happening and and hear things, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, everyone came to my aid. Um, in the hospital, uh, it was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, my sister had her church; they made a quilt for me, and so I I had my bed and I had this little quilt Aww. at my feet, and the nurses came in and they're like. Oh what's that? And I'd give them the story that the ladies and gentlemen at my sister in law's church made a quilt, and I pulled it up to keep me warm and it was just a it was just love yeah. it was just love um my team at work um they wanted to send me something, and so they sent me a little stuffed animal, and it was a sloth. <laughs> And so I had this little stuffed sloth sleeping on my chest with my little hospital gown on and my blanket. And so the team would come in looking at me like, whoa, dude, you know, because I had all these things from people. Um, And I named the sloth the same name as my boss. Uh, And I I was teasing him. I'm like, that's not a career-ending move, is it? (laughs) no (laughs) he started laughing he's like no no we're so glad you're okay that's sweet that everybody
1: was able to well so many were able to kind of reach out and make you feel that love that that we all had for you and it is a miracle it is a series of miracles that you're that you're here today and went through so much so you had this near-death experience was it was it during the time that you were having the heart surgery is that when you think I think so
2: yeah, I think it was in the time period where I was either in the coma or that I had died twice on the table. Um, so tell us more about
1: that. Th- so <laughs> <laughs> you died twice yes, on that's, the table, that, Andrew.
2: That's what we're talking about. That's the NDE. Yeah. So I think it's the similar thing as, you know, your father had mentioned. Um, I know some people, you know, since this event, you know, I've – gone on YouTube and I've seen other people explain their NDE and some people see relatives and some people are shown heaven some people are shown other things and they come back with that information it wasn't like that for me it was similar to your father it was dark um it was warm you know usually like you know when you're a little kid and you fall down or something you do a check right you kind of go uh, do I feel any pain anywhere mm-hmm. am i okay did i hit my head you know am i bleeding you know what's what's going on and nope okay i must be okay so when i was there in the darkness i did the check and it's like i'm okay wait where am i <laughs> you know it's like oh
1: so did you and did so, you have an awareness of your body parts like when you do that scan of like am i okay like No. There was just like I'm okay. Awareness but not physicality.
2: Yeah, I didn't go, "Oh, are my fingers okay? Are my toes okay?" It was more like I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Actually, I feel great. Wow. This is cool. And then I started looking around, and I was in space. So it was really interesting. It's like, oh, I could see the heavens. I could see the stars. I wasn't near any particular planet at the time, like Saturn or Jupiter or anything like that. But I could see the heavens. There was nobody there. I'm like, well, isn't there anybody here? (laughs) But one thing I felt um, when I did that check, and the only thing that could come to my mind was I felt, I felt this profound sense of love. And I can't tell you how that feels. I, there's no way to describe how that feels. Every cell, every fiber in my body, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was loved. It was not joy. It was not happiness. It was not contentment. It was not, it was love. I, you could identify it right off the bat. You, you knew you were loved, period. I, and it's like.
1: I think that we have
2: uh, a memory
1: of that because I think that's what we experienced before birth. I think we have a memory of that and we miss it. And some people miss it yes. so bad that that feeling of being cut off from that love is just too much.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, since I've come back, people have asked, "Well, do you want to go back?" Oh, yes. Not now. <laughs> do you want to go back, Andrew? Yes. Time. <laughs> Can we go now? You
1: gotta wait. <laughs> You're not done yeah, here, Andrew. I have to wait.
2: I have to wait. So. It took a few moments, but um, the next thing that I saw, or I don't know if I should say I saw or was shown, I don't know. Um, but the next thing that I saw was, um, I don't know if you watch, you know, Carl Sagan mm-hmm. and the planets, or you see things, but it was like I saw a, a planet with the sun behind it. So you know the planet's rotating, and you're looking at the dark side, and Usually you see the lights of the cities, you know, as, as the globe goes by and you're like, oh, okay, well there's Africa and okay, South America's going to come up in a minute and you, you know, the shapes, you know, your geography. Um, and so I was watching this going, wow, this is to wait a minute. I couldn't make out the continents
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I was looking at it and I'm like, the- I don't know where this is. Well, And I just watched it. it So was it blue and
1: green uh, like Earth, but the land masses were different?
2: Well, I couldn't see it because it was all dark. It was the dark side. It was all Mm -hmm. black.
1: Were there lights, like city lights?
2: They, yes. So it kind of like lit up, but it didn't make the same continents I was used Mm. to. And then I looked and I was like, wait a minute. The sun has a blue color. It isn't our golden yellow sun. And I'm like, oh, I want to go down there. What's down there? I couldn't go. I couldn't go. And I thought, well, that is really cool. And I was just watching that. I thought that was the most interesting thing in the world to see. Um, And then I went to another one. Same thing. Different lights with another yellow sun behind it but it wasn't earth i don't know i don't know why i was shown Mm -hmm. that you know unless it's basically to say that there are a lot of beings here in this universe yeah you know um a lot of different people that are there you know souls uh people connected to the one source Mm -hmm. i thought it was interesting um i guess the most profound thing was what happened next to me um It's hard to describe, but I went into a sun. So I felt what it was like to be a sun. And the sun has a heartbeat. I don't know if you know that. But it has a a pulsing heartbeat. And I felt what it was like. I have to close my eyes, I remember. I felt what it was like to give off heat to give off light um, and pulsate with that. It then occurred to me, well, wait a minute. If you have things going around you, then you're giving that heat and that light to planets that go around you. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of cool. That's really cool. I like that. Um, And then I came out of that i was in space for a little while because I, I wanted to at that point in time i'm like okay i want to see everything now because <laughs> i'm very curious about stuff like that i mean you know when i am when i leave here i want to travel yeah. i want to go see things <laughs> i want to see people i want to see stars i want to see all those or see them again cool places.
1: may you know maybe exactly. whatever you were seeing you had some kind of connection to Either yeah, either know. with you know that um you've ever heard the concept of um like soul groups, you know, like what if what a part of your soul group is in uh, is, is living other lives in the universe, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's really short sighted to assume that we're the only planet in a, in an endless universe that could support life. Exactly. So who knows? Um certainly could be things over there. Also like, you know, the concept of time. Is fluid past, present, future. Right.
2: That's the other thing I experienced was when I was there, I wasn't it I wasn't afraid of time. Like I wasn't afraid of my partner. It was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm gone, but as soon as I turn around, he's gonna be right there. Because past, present, and future are all the same. It isn't linear like yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's all the same. So how you view and experience time is completely different. And I knew that, well, okay, yeah, he'd be sad for a day or two, (laughs) in my mind, because I would turn around and, oh, he's here. Great. Hey, let's go over there. It, It wouldn't be like that.
0: Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence. A weekend workshop made 24th to twenty sixth, at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from. Brittany says reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive.
2: Um, The other thing, too, and I think when you and I first chatted about this, was um, you learn what's really of value to you. You know, I love my truck. I love my house. I love the little things. I love my drum. I love my little Mm -hmm. cards. But they came from Earth, Mm -hmm. and they're going to go back to Earth. What I really found of value was... The love that I had with other people, um, the experiences we shared, the connections that you make with people, um, how you can really impact somebody's life by just doing something little, like looking them in the eyes and saying, hi, how are you? Or good morning, or holding a door open for somebody, Mm -hmm. or just a, a gesture of kindness because you don't know what that person's going through, you know, and you do it just to be kind. And that experience with the sun and giving light to everybody around you and giving warmth um, really personified that to me. That, you know, yeah, I am kind of a little sun in my own little universe Mm -hmm. because I do have that impact on everybody I see each and every day you know and it makes me think how how did i impact their life today was it a positive thing did i have a bad time you know did i make a, a wrong decision you know i fell on my face again i didn't say something right you know something like that yeah. so it's actually changed my perspective in that way to be mindful of or try to as best as i can the things i say and do that can impact somebody else's life.
1: There's a quote from Hafiz says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. That's a quote that Wayne Dyer used to, um, used to share one that he loved. And when I hear you talking about that experience of being the sun, that's what I imagine is this sense of radiating love. The kind of love that um, nurtures everything around you without agenda, right? Without um, even mm-hmm. expectation of anything in return that you just, you give because that is that is your nature. And I think maybe right. we are sort of the the microcosm. In that, in that bigger example, in the macrocosm, that this, this sun that has this heartbeat, this pulse, which I didn't know that until you told me, and I looked it up, and you're absolutely right, there is a heartbeat, there is a pulse in the sun. And then, you know, scientists have discovered this electromagnetic field that comes out from our own heart, right? So we are radiating an energy in a way that's measurable, not just because this is something that we've been talking about in spiritual terms for thousands of years. And I feel like science is starting to catch up to some of these concepts. So I don't need science to prove it to me, but it's really interesting that like we can see, you know, we measurable energy coming radiate off of us. And we feel that when we're, you know, in connection with someone even passing a stranger on the street you feel the energy of that person so it's so important the message that you brought today about that sense of kindness and that you don't know what somebody else is going through and like I've been saying lately everybody is going through something everybody is always going through something you know it's this illusion which is emphasized by Instagram and Facebook and whatever else right social media that our lives tend to look like this glossy magazine cover where everything's perfect and everything's happy and you can look at somebody's Instagram page and they look like they're living their best life but really they could be struggling with with terrible terrible things um, whether that's right. mental health struggles or health struggle struggles, or or family drama, or or who knows, and it's like we're not alone in that. And I think it's so important that we share. That's one of the things I love about you sharing this story about the like what you were going through in twenty twenty because it wasn't just oh I almost died but I survived and here I am. Like there's so much more <laughs> that I think is really relatable. To something's going on with my body, I don't really understand it. I'm doing all the right things. I'm going to the doctors. And then it ends up like escalating to, to something that was really profound. And, you yeah. know, if if there is a silver lining in all of this, is that I think it was really transformative for you. So yeah. so you had this experience with being out in space, which um I like to tell people that you live in a sea of love, that you're surrounded by love. And it'd be like a fish going, where is the ocean? What is water? When it's actually in it, surrounded by it, you can't be apart from it. It's like the fish is one with the ocean and is so much in it doesn't even realize it's all around them. But I do think that it's not easy for us to feel what's there for us. But I think that what you experienced in that near death experience with that feeling of love that you that you look so eager to, to you know, oh, it's gonna be so wonderful to be back there to experience that again. Like I I hope that we can at least have moments of that, you know, while while we're here on this earth. So yeah. how
2: it's definitely go oh, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, it definitely has changed my perspective on things. Um, You know, I don't, I try not to take things to heart as as much as I used to. Um, I don't fear death. Um, I'm kind of excited in a way. I want to go back there. Um, But I know there's a proper time and a proper uh, place. Um, I'm here for a specific purpose. Um, I'm extremely transparent. You know, if somebody has questions or, even people at work wanted to talk about this. I said, well, I'm open. Ask any question you want. Um, because I think this is a teaching moment for each of us. Um, you know, I don't know if sharing what, I, what I've seen and experienced will help anybody or somebody in particular. Maybe they're going through something. Um, you know, so I figure it's one of those things that you just kind of have to share. Even though it, it may not be comfortable at times, or you know it may be something personal, but um, I, I think that's how we all grow, mm-hmm. and I think that's how we all get better together.
1: Some of the things that you learned while you were in that space, like you talk about past, present, future all being all being one. So does that mean that you never feel disconnected from anyone or anything?
2: Correct. Except yes. for the
1: stuff, right? The stuff that comes from the earth and goes back to the earth.
2: It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not yours anyway. It's like on yeah. loan. You know, it's like, well, I never really needed it. It satisfied the need when I was there but I certainly don't need it. It's like it now. the reference
1: section at the library. You can only use it while you're at the library, right? But yeah. like, enjoy it while you have it and then let it go because it was never yours to begin with. Dr. Dyer used to say he keeps a a suit in his closet with the pockets cut off because it reminds him that, you know, he's not taking anything anything with him. And um, Yeah. That's hard, I think, because we have these mementos. Um, that we place a lot of value on mostly because we have memories tied to them and Mm -hmm. i think it's hard to go well i get to keep the memories i don't need to have the stuff but at some point you have to like we (laughs) we don't have a choice (laughs) at some point we have to let it all go and you know probably it's a moving into into something greater yeah
2: well it's it's a shift from things to your yeah. heart you know so now that we know that you could say the other mm-hmm. side is all about love and all about our connections to other people mm-hmm. right i would say that your investment instead of it being things would be yeah. people experiences your connection Uh, What you treasure as a memento is that relationship with, you know, your son, your father, your husband, your wife, your cousin, uh, people that you take time right there in the moment to chat with, and maybe you learn something from them, or, you know, uh, you teach them something. It's just something that you invest Mm -hmm. in, you know, so if you're an investor, I would invest in those relationships and those connections, because those last... Like what? What did I say? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever,
1: and ever. <laughs> yeah, and forever is a long time. So, so invest in and- relationships and experiences, and then then we won't have regrets, right? I think the last couple of years with everything that we've been through, and so much changed, and so much was sort of taken away, and things that we took for granted maybe weren't available anymore. I think we're in a good place right now for reevaluating our priorities. So this is a timely message that you're bringing to us about, about prioritizing, you know, being kind to everybody, developing relationships with others, listening to their stories and their wisdom and sharing experience with them. And, um, you know, like my, my kids are young, um, and they grow so fast, right? I feel like, I feel like the thing with little kids is they show you the passage of time (laughs) because we don't change as quickly anymore. So it's easier to kind of. Turn a blind eye to how many years it's been. But a year is a long time for a five-year-old, and they don't look the same, they don't act the same, they don't talk the same. And um my challenge as a mother is always kind of keeping up with where they're at. So I'm constantly adapting to like, you know, be (laughs) be where they are. But it keeps me present. It keeps me it keeps me in the moment. And I that's good for all of us, right? Because if we're always thinking, about where we're going to get someday or how much stuff we're going to accumulate or oh, i'm going to have i'm going to i'm going to save up and i'm going to have the nicest car that i've been dreaming of well maybe maybe we dream about other things that are things that we can enjoy today the future yeah, is promised exactly. to no one right do you mm-hmm. think that when we die is predetermined
2: I would say that we have different exit Mm. points Mm -hmm. because I think free will comes into play. Um, I think that when we do come down, we come down with a plan. There are certain lessons we have to learn, certain experiences we have to go through. Something's good, something's bad. Um, But that's what we are here to learn. I think this is school for us. Um, we're heavenly creatures in earth bodies. That's what we are. Um, but I think that because we have free will, we can choose to go down this path or go down that path. We can choose to be best friends with this person or maybe this person. Um, and I think that there are exit points for us. I don't think it's clear cut and dry. Oh, Andrew's going to die on this day at this time, this second. I, I don't. I don't think it's like that. I think that, you know, it it could be, well, if Andrew doesn't eat right, then he's going to go down this path and his exit point is going to be there. Well, if Andrew does eat right, exercise and does this, well, his exit point could be here. Right. So I think it's, it's, we do have exits, um, but I think it's. A lot of it's based on the choices and free will that we have.
1: Yeah. So it's important, so. the decisions that we're making. They do they do matter. Yes. Um, a lot of people talk about, like, taking charge of your life and, like, I'm going to manifest things. I do love the word manifest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But, I w- but the way <laughs> that I see it now is that we have incredible influence over our own lives, that it is a co-creative process. Yes. And so I don't feel like it's about taking control. It's more like making choices to go with the flow that feels right to you so has your um, understanding of what happens after we die has that changed since your nde dramatically so what do you think happens now
2: well i think that when we get to our exit point i think that oh there is a life review i think there is a life review I don't think it's what people may have in their mind. Like, for instance, I was taught a life review is kind of like you sit in a little movie theater and you see your whole life from beginning to ending, mm-hmm. right? And and that's it. What I've come to understand is it's more in-depth than that, you know, um if it's true that we are here and we are to experience life and make the choices and the free will that we make learn the lessons we have by going through life whether you know we're we're born a male or a female we're born on this continent or that continent we're born in this religion or that religion or you know, a whole bunch of different things. We experience disease or we experience heartache or, you know, all of those. It's extremely complex. Um, I think in the end, it's just we're here. It's, again, I get back to the schoolroom. I mean, that's the thing I have in my mind. You know, I'm here to experience all of it. I'm here to experience the feelings, the good feelings and the bad feelings. You know, if I'm, you mentioned mental health, um uh before um and i do think that sometimes we're supposed to feel down yeah. and we're supposed to go through it and uh, to use another analogy be a little piggy in the mud you know, <laughs> so i'm gonna be depressed today that's Darn a much it.
1: cuter visual <laughs> be a little piggy in the mud
2: <laughs> you can't cheer me up i want to be down <laughs> you know and you just sit in it you know and hopefully you have loving friends that will hold space for you while you you're just a little piggy in the mud and then oh, wait a minute there's a different way to do this i i think i can do something different mm-hmm. Change your thoughts. Change
1: your... <laughs> Beautiful tie-in. Thank you, Andrew. Right? Right? I think that we came here because we wanted to participate and we wanted to try things and we wanted yes. to see how things would work. And I picture it, if you're a Star Trek fan, I picture it a little bit like, you know, going into a hollow suite or something, but in but yes. we're sort of controlling the hollow suite or we're, we're causing things to happen and to show up or to shift based on, you know, what's going on up here. And that... And that I think maybe from a spirit, maybe it's more observational that we're not sort of in a body having this different, uh, it's like smaller, more concentrated experience. It's almost like, it's almost like if you take soul and then you like, you know, like you condense it into this little point that has like a body and can manipulate things in a limited, but very specific way. But then, like, mm-hmm. we're here and we're like, oh, you know, what what would I do if I was alive at this time? You know, what kind of person would I be? How would I handle that situation? Because I have this feeling that I do believe that we chose to be here when when we're here and with a lot of the circumstances mm-hmm. and a lot of the lessons, right? But I think that I really underestimated the emotion and the, and the physicality and, like, being tired and hungry and, like, all of these things. I think it's just like, oh, yeah, this would be really interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. This, this is going to be neat. But I think that we come here to experience and play maybe even more than learn. But everything that we're doing, we're learning, right? But we get to try our hand in it. And it's almost like we're developing ourselves through doing. I don't want to say learning on the job because it's not a job. But it's more like... It's right. more like being in the game of life, not that you're trying to win, but just to to like put yourself in there and, and what would I do? Like would I would I make that shot? Would I would I help the teammate that's crying? You know, like what would I do if I had my chance and this is our chance? I love what's really I love what Esther Hicks uh, oh, talks about of us being on like the cutting edge of awareness, of expansion that mm-hmm. we are part of this spiritual unity of beings but we're sort of on the front lines like pushing the envelope and i think the thoughts and the feelings that we have to what's happening in our lives and in the world right now collectively go into some sort of bank that that we all learn from and we all grow from
2: yeah i was going to say just hearing you describe that what visual came into my mind was like going to a travel agency and picking up a brochure of, oh, this looks yeah. great. And you open it. Oh, oh, and I can do this right. and this and this. And oh, oh, yeah, yeah, this looks great. Oh, yeah, book me for this one. I, I Oh, I, honey, do you want to go do this one in February? This would be great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then you get down here and you're like, wait, the food doesn't look like that. It's different. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, it's raining? <laughs> oh. What? Well, but that's not what the brochure that's not what the brochure said. Exactly. Yeah. Well darn.
1: And like going along with that sort of hollow sweet concept, um, I thought it was really interesting what you said about you weren't worried about what was gonna happen to your husband if you died. Like if that was like no. if that was your point, you knew that it was just gonna be like blink and you'd be together and it it wasn't going to be something that either of you were going to like i guess feel sad about ultimately and it's so funny because the the experience that that i have from uh, my father in spirit is that we're never separate like like he's like I'm like, you know, daddy, I wish you were here. And he's like, well, where would I go, right? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you tell me, right? But I have this feeling that to him, we haven't been separated. There hasn't been a separation. Right. And, and the thing that I imagine in my mind, and this is probably just to help me from my limited human perspective, it's probably way, like, more complicated than this. But I'm imagining that, like, the people that we have love relationships with, right? Like our families, for example. I picture us sitting in a room somewhere, like out there, up there, with like virtual reality goggles on. And we're all sitting like <laughs> side by side. Like you're all on a couch or something, right? You're all sitting side by side. And you pop these virtual reality goggles on. Some people jump into the game a little bit earlier. Some people jump out of the game a little bit, you know, sooner or, or mm-hmm. later than the other one. That's like birth and death, right? Like My dad came here before me and now it's my turn and, and I'm having my experience with it. And I've still got my goggles on, but he's sitting right next to me going oh, like, you know, she's going to be done with that game in no time and we're going to go, like, do yeah. whatever. And that's such a comforting thought to me, and I hope it's comforting to somebody who's listening today that, like, maybe those people that you've lost, you haven't really lost them. Maybe you're sitting right next no. to them. Like, the real you, the whole you is still in contact. You know, I think it's more than that even. I think they live within us. You know, there isn't a way to separate um, the heart, the heart of it.
2: Yeah, I think, I guess another thing I can tell people is that you really have no idea how much support and love you have. I mean, people will say, oh, yeah, you know, my, my dad's watching over me or my mom is watching over me. Oh, No. You have mom, you have dad, you've got cousins, you've got grandparents, you've got great grandparents, you have angels, you have a whole team with pom-poms cheering you (laughs) on every day because they know what you're going through. They know you still have your goggles on. So, you know, they're over there. And again, up there, there's only love. There's no jealousy or hatred or you know, gossipy or any of that yucky stuff. All that's earth based. And when you're there, it's not it's not part mm-hmm. of you. So they're looking at you through the eyes of love. You know, and they're like, yay, she yeah. did it today. Woohoo, you yeah, rock. Like a whole team of
1: cheerleaders. And I think they really want to help us. It's but awesome. But we have to, like, yes. say, be like, hey, like, you know, like, come in, come into the space. And what do you think about what's going on right now? Because they have a different perspective, exactly. which is really valuable when we're, you know, we get this tunnel vision of our problems in life. But there's more going on than that. Yeah. There was one more thing that I wanted to touch on Uh that you started to talk about, which was that life review. And I wanted to share sort of what my perception of that is, because again, it's all guesses, isn't it? And then ask you again about yours. But I sort of imagine a life review as after we die, that we are sort of gifted this awareness of how we impacted others good bad or indifferent how did what you did when you were 7 17 70 impact this person that cashier your mother your son like whatever it was how did how did what you were doing make them feel what was the impact on that what what was the impact on people's lives what was the impact of your present on of your presence on earth at this time cuz it's like the butterfly effect right We think we're, we're this tiny little nothing, but we, we are integrated into what's happening in the world at this time. So how do we impact it? And then I think rather than being punished, right, for the, the things that caused pain to others, I think we are given the awareness of the pain that we caused others. And we probably feel that too. And I think what we have is an opportunity to see things differently. Like this is what that felt like. Right. This is what that felt like for the other person. It could have been done differently. You know, maybe you could have done this or maybe you could have done that. And I think that that sounds like more of a learning, um, like a coaching, right. but it almost feels self-directed. It doesn't feel like God is gonna come and punish me and be like, You did this, you go to hell, you know, or right. like, oh, you know, you get 10 points off for that. It's more like here's an awareness. <laughs> Of the impact that you had, good, bad, and indifferent, with, like, oh, gosh, you know, I should have called my mom more. Or, or, like, if I had just sat and played with my kid that day instead of, you know, moving boxes around or whatever. Like, this is how things would have, like, even little things. And I feel like because, like, there's no past, present, future. It's all happening at once. Like, I feel like it's just this sort of like, like a moment, like a moment where you, you see it, you feel it, you experience it from different perspectives and you gain some understanding from that. So, so what, what's your take on the, on the life review?
2: No, I agree (laughs) with that because I think, because if time reacts to as past, present, and future, you have all the time you need to look at your life. Every single thing you did, the... Tone in your voice, the the eyeball glance you gave somebody, the attitude, mm-hmm. you know, and walking off and doing your thing. I mean, we're all or the learning values here. that were
1: maybe misplaced and like caused more suffering to yourself that didn't need to. Didn't need exactly to be that way.
2: The choice you made. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, that wasn't a very good choice, Andrew. Oops. Well, Anita
1: Morjani says there is no hell, and I don't think there's a hell either. Right. But I I do think maybe there can be. I mean if there is a hell I think it's it's self-imposed. It's almost like you get sort of stuck in the uh-huh. in the dark feelings that you had or you caused somebody else and and you need to I don't know work through that somehow. But this idea that I have of life review, I feel like it takes the the fear out of what so many people are taught of like God is this, you know, punishing man on the throne and I think God is love and he's, you know, one with all of us.
2: Yeah. Me too. I I don't I don't think that again back to when I was in Sunday school just this little mm-hmm. you're going to be punished forever and ever and ever. I I don't yeah. I don't believe that. Um Good for I you for being the scurvy learn. elephant, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um I I think we're here to learn. I think we're here to grow. Um I think we're here to teach each other different things. Um and again, because we all have different experiences in our lives, we have that vantage point to be able to do mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think it's important for us to share quite a bit from the heart um, on exactly what's important, what, what we've gone through. And some of it isn't pretty. It's not meant to be yeah. pretty. Um, but there's lessons there. And um, it can help other people greatly. Um, maybe again, getting back to, they could be going through something you don't know about, and probably are. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, you're doing some of that here today, sharing from the heart, sharing, you know, some details that happened to you in your life and how That's it right. impacted <laughs> you, and you know, potentially controversial. Here's what I experienced, you know, in my NDE that. Some people hold very strongly to their religious beliefs that might not be comfortable. But you know what? This is a spiritual podcast, so everybody's just they, they get it. Yeah, you just guys jump in. get it. it. It's we okay. <laughs> so, what's your spiritual practice like now because you've been through a lot since January of 2020? Like like what do you do now spiritually?
2: Well, I start off the day every morning as soon as I open my eyes, Gratitude for one more day. Gratitude um, fills the day because I may not be here to experience this, to experience my partner, my, my family, my sister-in-law, my brother, my mom, mm-hmm. all these people that I, I love and I hold dear. Um, you know, So I start off with gratitude. Um, I try and find time to center myself, to, to do a check-in. To live more in the moment. I know that's a cliche nowadays. But it's kind of like, hey, this is a great day. I'm really liking yeah. this. It's rainy out. Oh, I love the rain. It's sunny out. Oh, I love the sun. You know, kind of like I'm experiencing this right now. I really Yeah, love coming this. back into the senses cool. instead
1: of just getting lost in, like, you know, fears about the right. future or, you know, emotions about the
0: past.
2: Yeah. I try not to watch mm. news. Um, I do get caught up a little bit in some of the politics, but I try and limit that. Um, I find that I'm looking more at nature things. You know, when I was in the hospital, the, the one thing I thought was really weird, um, and the nurses commented on it, was they give you the little channel and the little, you know, clicker. And I couldn't watch anything but the nature mm. channel. So it would show, you know, the oceans, and it would show the fish going in the reef, and then it would pan to the forest and the little critters running around, and then it would go to the desert, and you'd see all these different um, type of climate zones, so to speak, of the earth and, and everything. And I did change the channel to news, and I was watching it, and I couldn't get my brain into it. It was like what is this it, it just felt really weird um so I think right now I'm more drawn to to the outdoors to doing things a little bit more naturally mm-hmm. um seeking more uh guidance from the inside um having conversations it's really goofy I have conversations with myself it's pretty funny um <laughs> at least I think so but <laughs> as long um, as you make yourself laugh yeah that's what matters Well, and the value of humor in a lot of things. Um, I'm noticing that in my professional life, um, at work since I've come back, a lot of people kind of see me as a sage in a way. They come to me for, you know, advice, for help on Mm -hmm. things. And some of it's not work. Some of it's home, too. It's kind of like, okay, so this is new I'm a therapist now? Is that what I'm here for? I'm a therapist. Okay. Well, let's grab it and Mm -hmm. go.
1: (laughs) So has it been hard to reintegrate into normal life and work life and all of that when it seems like everything kind of feels different and your perspective has shifted and you've had this life-changing, not only, you know, health catastrophe, but kind of deepening your spiritual awakening. Is it hard to reintegrate into like water cooler conversation and all of that?
2: Uh, yes and no. I, I find that um, this is going to sound in a way kind of rude. I, I don't mean it to be, um, but I, I found myself um, developing new relationships and letting gold of. Older relationships that may not be where I'm aligned with anymore, yeah. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Some of the conversations I kind of steer clear from because I don't, I don't find that they're kind. Mm. I they're don't not coming from the right place,
1: that... or it's not a hard yeah,
2: connection I, to I, it. I see through some of the fakeness in people, <laughs> you know, and and I don't have any tolerance for it. You know, it, it's it's like oh, is that something bad I brought back with me? You know, I, I don't want to talk to this mm-hmm. person, but it it's more of, you know, the, um, what's that, that phrase? The vibe is your tribe or something Oh, your something vibe like attracts that. your
1: tribe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm finding that to be very oh, true. Oh, my tribe is growing. Yeah, making... I
1: just love it. Like, like having conversations <laughs> with you and the way that we connected, it's really, you know, it starts because we put ourselves out there and we try new things and we explore, like, what's of interest. So yeah, it makes sense that things are changing for you for sure.
2: So even work, it's just, you know, it's very unique. It, it, I never would have imagined that work would be like this. So you're,
1: you're bringing your, your present moment awareness into the office. And I'm sure people feel that. And, and that can be, you know, I think you can be an example and I'm sure that you are. So if there was one thing that you wanted people to get from everything you shared today. Oh, boy. One takeaway, what would you share?
2: Be kind to other people and share from your heart. That's two, but I'll make it
0: one.
1: (laughs) Well, the kindness is coming from the heart, so that totally makes sense. And what's the...
2: Because... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, because you you take it with you, it's a connection you have with other people, and you'll find out in your life review exactly how they Mm -hmm. felt.
1: (laughs) You're going to find out sooner or later, so make it good, right? Make it good. (laughs) What's the best way for people to reach you?
2: So we talked about this. Um, I'm very transparent. Um, I'm not shy. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is my first and last name. It's andrewtheason at comcast.net.
1: All right. You heard it here. And, of course, anyone is welcome to uh, reach out to me um, if you have questions as well, and I can get them over to to Andrew. So Andrew, I am just so excited that we found the time to get together and have this conversation and go more into depth into what happened with you. And I just remember the first time that um, I saw you on Zoom, right? We're still in the pandemic. First time that I saw you on Zoom after all of this. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Andrew, you're alive. Like it's a miracle. Like what in the world happened? And getting the chance to not only, you know, hear it Mm -hmm. directly from you, but in a way that we can share it with others and and that they're going to get something from this as well. I just want to thank you so much for spending this time with me.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much.
1: And for all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. The full video for this episode will be available to my subscribers on Patreon. You can get all the links and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelacruz.com. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste.
0: We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tolleson.